we are back with another episode of Tea Time with the Teacher. Today's episode is part two of the episode last week. So it's guest hosted by our very own Andrea. If you have not checked out part one, it is amazing. Thank you guys for the feedback, um, the support, the positive words. Andrea did an awesome job. So if you haven't checked out part one, do so. And in part two, Andrea delves in with Carla and Fernando about their identity, about their college classes, and about wanting their professors and their fellow classmates to look like them, have the same lived experiences like them, and to learn to empathize with them. Right? We're nearing our end of season one. Thank you guys for listening. I really hope you enjoy part two, and let me know what you think. To my younger brothers, I just know that I have to be someone in life in order to help out my brother, my little brother. I, wa- I don't want him to go through the same stuff that me and my even my other brother, Victor, went through in sense mm-hmm. of like economic situations. I know that if I become someone and I help my family out, I know that my brother, Ian, like the youngest one, he's like seven, he's not going to go through the same stuff that I had to go through. He's not going to have to like go through the application of college and wonder, how do I do this? How do I apply? Where do I apply? He's going to understand that because he's going to have someone to help him out. And that is something that I think about so much because if it wasn't for just breath, like teachers that were there to help me and guide me to the process, I feel like I wouldn't have known how to do that. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed on my criminal justice classes, where we t- touch on issues about race and um, ethnicity, about incarceration, prison and sentencing and all this. Yeah, I can see that like people just looking at me like, of course, of course you think that way. Yeah, and it's almost like you're blaming my identity for, you know, my opinions or why I feel the way that that I feel. And I think that that happens a lot, especially with Latina women um, and just women in general, right? Invalidating those experiences that are very valid and very true. And I think, um, you know, I applaud you both for, you know, engaging in work that is very difficult, right? It's not easy to go in front of a company like Fernanda and and be eager to learn and then feel like you're being pushed back or not, you know, being received in a welcoming way. Um, and like Carla, right, like engaging in those conversations with other people. Um, so I, I commend you both for for engaging in that work and and for, you know, not giving up because that's that's the key, right? Not giving up and, and showing like I am here. I deserve, you know, to be here and and I'm gonna, you know, do it with grace. Um, and so I know, Carla, you talked about identity, right? Um, so I, I took a course at UT that had to do with um, race and incarceration specifically regarding women. And so one of the, the really incredible things that we talked about there was this idea of intersectionality, right? Um, there's a legal scholar and civil rights activist um, whose name is um, Kimberly Crenshaw. And she, um, she does a TED talk, which I encourage our audience and Fernanda and Carla to, to listen if you haven't already, but it's called the urgency of intersectionality. And in that, she breaks down a case where, um, you know, we have a black woman um, at um, a job company and it's an issue of representation. And so to sum it all up, right, she emphasizes this need to look not only at race and ethnicity, but also looking at gender and Sometimes institutions can be really good at supporting one but not the other, right? Um, so, for example, colleges can be really good at supporting their Latino students, but are, what work are they doing to support their Latina students? 
students. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but how do you all feel at your university um, specifically? Like, do you feel supported there? Um, do you feel empowered? And if not, what is something that, you know, you feel like your university could implement to make you feel empowered there, not only as a Latina and not only as a female, but where the two intersect as a Latina student? Honestly, I don't feel empowered. I feel the opposite. I feel shut down. Um, some examples is that the Hispanic population here, we've tried um, to set up petitions and look um, at other universities that they have, um, I forget what they're called, but like Latinx centers really. So mm -hmm. it's just a place for Hispanic um, Latinx individuals to come and just have a safe space uh, with people to relate with and mingle with people like themselves. It's just like a safe space really. Um, but we had the petition going around and we caught the university's attention and they completely shot it down. And we know A&M is a rich, rich school. So we know they have the funds. Like they recently just built like a second rec center, you know? And another big thing that's going on on, cam on campus right now is that we have a, a statue called Sully. Um, just a background of him. He was a Confederate general. Uh, he was a member of the KKK and we have his robe in one of our um, like big libraries. So the evidence is there. He was against like even women attending, just women and African-American people attending A&M. So it was like a big controversy like a couple of months ago and I attended protests Like we were active and A&M seemed like it was listening to us and sent out surveys of like, what can we do? And like the major um, proposition was fine. You can keep your Sully, but you can put him in the library and give give the full context you know don't just say he was helping AM, but say that he was a confederate general like say the ugly truth like you have to know both sides and it seemed like they were considering this but they completely shot down our efforts after years and a lot of people put work into this like the protests and the petitions and um the proposals of what to do with him like it took time and effort and it was like like an emotional process for many students and then for them to just make us go through that and then just be like, no. And we know it's because their alumni don't support it. And it's a PWI, you know, their alumni are the ones with money. They're the ones that are donating. They're the major donor donors. So they're just pleasing their donors and not their current students. But so I do feel shot down by AM, but there are student orgs that helped me a lot freshman year, like uh, the Mexican Student Association. It really helped me ground myself. Um, that's where I met one of my good friends. But then again, that's the student org. That's the work of students. So the people at A&M do empower me, but not the institution itself. Yeah, and that's that's key. I think there's, there's for people of color, for minority individuals, um, and especially our Latino community, I think a lot of the work tends to come from, you know, community roots and community-based organizers. And you bring up a good point is from the institution itself, um, which if we're thinking larger in society, right, like government and various social institutions, right, there isn't a lot of support there. And so I think you you raise a really good point um, in saying like, I feel, I feel grounded in the people, but not the institution. Um, and so, yeah, for sure. Carla? I think I do in this institution feel somewhat empowered. I feel like I have the resources given to me, or obviously I have to seek them 
but they're there for me. But these resources, they come in different forms. For example, my classes, most of them are um, by white teachers. So we're taking, we're talking about race issues with people that are white. So how are we gonna express these issues and really convey them when these are white professors teaching them? So to a certain extent, because throughout my classes, I still have to prove myself that I'm up to like to the challenge. And uh, going through my courses, I just realized that having my bachelor's, it is a step, but in order to prove myself in this, um, in this criminal justice or sociology that I'm trying to do, I have to go to graduate, graduate school. Like it feels that I have to take more steps than other people, like in order to prove myself. Yeah, and all my courses, the sociology courses that I've taken, I feel that they have helped me realize more about my identity and all this intersectionality that we're talking about. And if it wasn't for my in race and ethnicity class, I feel like I, ha- I wouldn't have learned certain topics that would have helped me know more about myself like I didn't know much about familismo or marianismo and there were things that I didn't know about but I was living them so whenever I was in that course I was like okay like this is stuff that is happening to me this describes me and uh, yeah the this uh, institution offers those courses but I feel like the one thing that should be improved is who teaches those courses because yes you're teaching them but I feel like there's not much engagement because as a student that's a minority or a person of color, you, you're kind of limited to express your, your point of view or your experiences because you're expressing them to someone who might not understand where you're coming from. Because that person is in a position of power that has never gone through that and just won't understand. Like, yes, you're teaching it, but have you lived it? Are you gonna be able to relate to them? And most of these courses, there's people that are like, they're predominantly white. And maybe I'm like, five students are people of color. So whenever you're having a debate, when it's telling you, oh, discuss this, this, or this issue, it's that debate is not really like, there's nothing coming much out of it because there's nothing much to debate. The ones that are talking are those people with the experience, but the other group, they don't have much to offer. They don't say anything. And neither of those are professors. So it's just, I think that's one thing the institution needs to improve, having faculty that can actually relate to people, to people of color. And especially as a female, I had one teacher and she was my race and ethnicity, ethnicity sociology teacher. And she was uh, she was from Puerto Rico. She was Puerto Rican. So I feel like that was the reason that I was able to express myself more in that class. If it wasn't for her being a person of color, I feel like I would not be able to express how I felt or relate. Thank you so much for sharing, Carla. I, I love the... Um the Mexican-American Latino studies major in me um, is like grinning because I love to hear when, you know, uh, Latinos um, and Latinas share about, you know, their experiences in academic institutions where you're learning about things like Marianismo and Familismo, where, you know, I didn't know about that either. And then we get to college and we learn about those things. Um, and I think you hit it on the nail when you said like, these are lived experiences. Like I've, I've, I've lived through them. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's kind of like the focus of this of this um, episode is, you know, we as Latinas are coming to the world of academics with lived experiences that, you know, are very different from others, but nonetheless, you know, can 
teach others a lot about our community. Um, and so, you know, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. I want to quickly, um, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you all to share a little bit about your aspirations um, in life. I know you're still in college and you're figuring it out um, just like I am. Um, but um, in the long term, where do you see yourself to look forward a little bit? Because I, I'm, I'm always seeking to encourage my, my fellow Latinas to look really into the future. And so, you know, can you all share a little bit about your future aspirations? I know we're all still figuring it out because we're in college um, and that's okay. We don't have to have it all figured out yet. Um, but, you know, what are some of your long-term goals? What do you want to do after college? I don't know who wants to share first. Um, so I want to go into the research field. Um, my major is biomedical engineering, but my focus um, is uh, cellular engineering. So it's going to be research. But I want to get a job in the long run. Like at the very end, my major goal is to work not in the U.S., but like in a Latin American uh, country. I feel like my service should go beyond just my job, you know. I want others to look up to me and be like, if she can do it, I can do it. I want to be like a role model. I don't know, I just, I feel like I have, because of college and like the experiences I've gone through, I feel like I want to dedicate myself to the Latino community. And I feel like my best service would be like in Latinx, I mean in Latino country, um, even though that means being away from my family, I just, I really want to stem out and I want to say like, get away from this toxic environment, um, <laughs> grow as a person. I feel hindered sometimes almost, um, because I know the engineering field, it's, it's rough. I'm going to face oppression. Um, so I know I'm going to be like, I want to say discouraged here. Uh, so hopefully I will be able to blossom into the true powerful person I am um, in my job. Yeah, and you're already doing the work now, Fernanda. You are a powerful Latina. Um, and now it's just kind of like using that, right, to, to empower others. So yeah, I'm super excited for all that you're going to do in your future. Carla? So my aspirations. You says Fernanda, I want to make an impact. Like I want to work with the community. There is something that for sure I want to do. And I think that was one of the main reasons that I went to criminal justice. I feel like if I learned the system, I might be able to help people work the system. You know, I want them, I want to be someone that's there for them, you know, to navigate, to navigate it. And one of those factors that made me want to go into criminal justice system is also my parents. I want to be a lawyer one day. And one of my areas to focus on, I want to do a public defender so or immigration that's one of my two areas that I want to do and I just want to work with people that don't have the resources to help themselves so I want to go to grad school and I was barely I barely started thinking about grad school this year and yes hopefully that becomes possible because it is a lot of money and that is something I don't have so grad school is it's an option so hopefully I want to add a little bit more oh, oh okay I want to join uh, something called Engineering Engineers Without Borders. It's a society of engineers that join, that basically take on a project in less developed countries, and it's like your own expenses, and you're directly helping communities. So that's one of my other major goals. Um, but I want to say overall, although my story seems a bit, I don't know, sad, <laughs> a bit ex like excluding, you know, 
it's disencouraging for sure to hear my side of my end of the stick I want to say don't let this encourage you because I know this is like a podcast for teachers and students um we are paving the path for the future generation you know it's little by little I feel like our actions mean so much more because of who we are and don't let that become a pressure that drains you and exhausts you and you're like oh I have to do this and I'm going crazy because I have all these expectations on me but rather use that as a vehicle of motivation um because our actions are way more important like us getting a bachelor's is mm -hmm. much more groundbreaking than a regular um I say a white student getting a bachelor's you know Latina women are the least likely to get a bachelor's even getting a bachelor's that's that's like a stepping stone we are making history mm -hmm. It's really disencouraging to hear stories like this, but remember like little steps and little goals and little, I want to say, what's, what's the word? Little, little accomplishments mean so much more because of who we are. Fernando, you stole the question out of my head, but um, yeah, so I, I wanted to ask you all, do you know, do you have any other, uh, do you have any advice for other young women in academics um, and um, in higher education specifically? like younger Latinas who are in, still in high school who are eager to get to college and use that as an opportunity to grow and learn. I know, Fernanda, you 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 beautifully worded it. Um, but Carla, do you have anything else to add to that? Well, coming from a liberal college, I feel I'll encourage them to take as many courses of it as they can. I feel like the more courses you take, the more you learn about stuff you didn't even know about. I, I would recommend sociology courses or I love those courses like those are my favorite they like they help me learn more about myself about where I come from and just they're really I, I really like those courses but yeah if any for people that want to go into the criminal justice system or sociology I feel like they have to be ready or prepared themselves with this mentality of like knowing that the system is pretty messed up and they're going to learn stuff that they kind of knew about, but they didn't know to what extent those things were. So how bad this, these things were going on. So we're aware of the, all these problems that are happening. But once you go into this branch of justice and sociology, you see those problems. Like you see them. So if anything, I, you are going to get discouraged. You really are. But in this idea of like, oh, I want to fix everything. I want to fix the system. You kind of get discouraged when you see so many problems that you have to fix, <laughs> but you have to at least recognize that you being part of it is it makes a, it makes an impact in some way. Yeah, to add on to Carla, you're gonna get your heart broken a couple of times, yeah. but that's completely okay. You're gonna come out whole at the end. Oh, and your grades, oh. Ew, like coming from okay, I know. Um, I was gonna ask you about that too, Fernanda. How like your uh. A female like a, a woman and mm -hmm. your class right you're like the only girl sometimes mm -hmm. and uh, going back to high school how we were girls that used to be like on top of the class you know mm -hmm. and we used to be like see ourselves as oh we're doing better than the guys we mm -hmm. the girls will always get better grades girls will be like on top uh, percentage so now going to transition into college and now being like one of the girls that will get highest grades does that like impact in any way I don't know if I'm wearing it right like if I'm making sense am I wearing it right guys because I feel like yeah you are you are that's a good question Fernanda 
because I went through that, I had different expectations of college and just my atmosphere. That experience negatively impacted me because I was not prepared for the real world. Like I thought I would always be on top of things and, you know, girls rule the world. And it's not <laughs> true, especially not in my field. You know, we're highly disencouraged. There's no support. Like we're we're going to have our like our hiccups. We're it's gonna be a struggle, especially Texas A and M. You know where there's seventy thousand students. Like some of my classes are three hundred people, and each professor has like a thousand students. You're not gonna get the support that you once got in high school, and that's okay. You can go to extra help and tutoring, but it's gonna be a really different experience. It's it's tough. Like it's not just a cultural shock. I want to say it's an academic shock as well. It's it's just completely different. Well, yeah, to end it on that, I just want to say it is an honor, an immense honor um, to know incredible Latinas like you all. You are paving the path for a lot of other young women to go to, to college and, and be involved in higher education. And so I, I cannot express how grateful I am to know you both and um, to be able to learn um, from you as well. And so thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Um, and yeah. No, thank you. It felt nice to have a voice and um, kind of give my perspective as a Latina. So that was really empowering. Yes, I agree. Thank you for taking us into consideration and hearing our voices. Um, oftentimes we don't have someone to complain to or rant to because <laughs> they don't relate to us or yeah, they, they won't understand. that is it for part two of this episode of tea time with the teacher we've only got two episodes left of season one next week we're going to talk with john from an unconventional teacher about his life his experiences and of course his journey starting his own podcast and then we'll end with an episode just with me the following week we'll take a break for season one film episodes and get ready for season two and of course enjoy the summer thank you guys for listening and i will see you next week